Did you know that uh, John the Baptist had disciples before Jesus had disciples? He had a following. But then when Jesus came to be baptized, John recognized him. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and rested, stayed on Jesus' shoulder. And it was that point that John knew that Jesus was the chosen one and that his ministry was just about over. So one day he, told, he, he had followed his disciples there and so he was explaining to them, telling them all that had happened when Jesus came to be baptized. Jesus was happening along and then it all sort of fell together. He said, there's the Lamb of God. And he told them about how the Holy Spirit had come and, and this is the one. This is the chosen one of God. And so the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And again, he saw Jesus passing by. And he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. Now, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? He said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come. Come, Jesus replied, and you'll see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, one of the two disciples named Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he was one who'd heard John the day and had followed Jesus. Now, the first thing Andrew did was to go and find his brother Simon. And he told him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Now, what do you want today? Why are you here? Jesus, Jesus asked these two disciples of John, that very question. What do you want? But didn't you find their answer a little peculiar? He answers, Rabbi, where are you staying? Why didn't they just tell Jesus what they wanted? Possibly, like many of us, they didn't know what they wanted, what they were looking for exactly. Perhaps they were like most of us. They've been vague on exactly what our life search is about. Comfortable lifestyle, yeah, good health. That our children will be successful. 
want security in our old age, or we, we, we want to have some fun. And oh yes, we'd like to help our fellow human beings. What we don't want, at least from Jesus, is a challenge. We don't want impossible ethical ideals that we can't live up to. We don't want talk about the cross or hard times or difficult decisions. Because in the back of our minds, kind of just rolling around, is the thought that, well, you know, considering what a commitment to Jesus might mean, it might be wise to be cautious. I mean, we don't want to throw ourselves into this commitment thing with uh, too much energy. I mean, look what happened to those fishermen. They had to leave their jobs, their families. They had to give their, I mean, they gave their whole lives in commitment. All the time, money, energy, passion, everything. In the end, that was it. Their lives were never the same again. Makes us a little nervous. But on this first day, when our story takes place, Jesus doesn't really press them. He merely invites them to come and see. Come and see. And they do. And they stay all day. And this all seems to suggest that they were not looking for the answer to a question. Instead, they were looking for someone to follow. They were looking for a, a place to be. So I'll ask you again, why are you here? What are you looking for? Are you looking for someone to believe in? To hold on to? Are you looking for something important enough to live for? Are you looking for something big enough to claim your passion? An anchor? A challenge to be more? Jesus' invitation to John's two disciples Andrew and the other characters not named, was really an invitation to discipleship. And an invitation to discipleship is an invitation to purposeful living. And that's the invitation that we've received today. All of us, even us ordinary folks. Jesus' call today is kind of like a celebration of the ordinary. A rural worker will just say, mm, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a business person. I'm just a laborer. I'm just a maintenance worker or an office worker. Perhaps I'm just a teacher or a nurse. I'm just a kid. I'm just an old person. But look at the assorted crew that Jesus gathered around him for his disciples. Just a few fishermen. Just a tax collector. Just a woman who follows along. Just someone who can't be trusted. These were a group of no-names. They're mentioned nowhere else except in the Gospels. How many of us as much as we do in our church, will be remembered nowhere but in our church. 
as much as we do in our office will be remembered nowhere but in our office. As much as we're good teachers or nurses, we'll be forgotten. Our names removed from the pension rolls when we pass on. Or as much as we're a star of our team when we were 11 or 12, we'll be forgotten when the new 11 or 12-year-olds come to take on be on the sports team. You get the idea. It's the just of life that Christ has called to discipleship. The qualities that count aren't fame and fortune. What counts is serving God in the world in our daily life, at home, at work, in our day-to-day living. I got an idea what you're thinking. Who, me? I mean, I'm not really good enough to accomplish much. I mean, in the overall scheme of things, I'm just a peanut and big bowl of nuts. Well, maybe. But I'd like you to consider an old Indian folk tale. There's a water carrier in India and has two large pots across a pole that he carries on the back of his neck. Now, one of the pots has a crack in it. Now, the other pot is perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. It was always full at the end of his long walk from the stream to the master's house. Now, the cracked pot, well, it arrived half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with a water bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was very proud of its accomplishments. Perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot, it was ashamed. Ashamed of its own imperfections. The cracked pot was miserable that it was to accomplish only half of what it was made to do. After two years, the cracked pot who saw himself as a bitter failure, decided to speak to the water bearer one day down by the stream. The pot said, I'm ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize to you. Why, asked the water bearer, what are you ashamed of? Well, the crackpot said, I have been able for these past two years to deliver only half of my load. Because of this crack in my side, it causes water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you have to do all of this work and you don't get full value for your efforts. Well, now the water bearer felt very sorry for the old crack pot. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. Well, the old crackpot did that. He noticed they were beautiful. There were these flowers all along the path. And it, it cheered him some. But at the end of the trail, he still felt bad because it, 
leaked out half its load. And so we again apologized to the water bearer for its failure. The water bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I've always known about your flaw. I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day as we walked along, on our way back from the stream, you watered those flowers. For two years I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being there, just the way you are, he would not have had this beauty to grace his house. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God calls us all. God calls every one of us with our flaws, just as we are. We just got back recently from Tanzania. We were working there for four months. And we went to a graduation. Now, this is the first graduating class from this university. And the focus, the primary program in this university was a, a, to teach teachers for physically and mentally handicapped children. Now, in Tanzania, if you have a child who is emotionally or physically or mentally challenged, you hid them. If you were in the city, you sent them to the village to live with grandmother. It was an embarrassment. So the fact that there was this university that was now going to focus on teaching these children was an, was an amazing, uh, amazing feat. We were told in advance that they were having a guest singer flown in from Sweden. And she was born with no arms or legs. Well, this is a poor country. They don't fly in singers, entertainers for graduation. So I knew this must be really something special. We were there early. We watched her sort of struggle from the car to the wheelchair to the front to practice. And then the graduation started. She started to sing and the whole place was mesmerized. She sang like an angel. It was amazing, amazing. Not only her singing, but the rea reaction. We were all amazed, delighted, and recognized the presence of God right there. You know, God knows about your flaws. But God can use you just as you are. And God says to each of us, come. Come and see. I can use you whatever your work or status. I can use you with your flaws. I know about those flaws. I created you. 
So come and see. Let us pray.